Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's best sellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com, code GLOW. Hello and welcome to Made by Mamas, the podcast. I'm Zoe. And I'm Georgia. And we're here talking all things parenthood, tips and tricks, products we love and brands that we can't live without. Let's get into it. <laughs> Can we please just comment on how we've come dressed in identical outfits we, today? Yeah, I mean, the pinks are almost exactly the same. We've come in like pinky blazers with yeah. a t-shirt and some black trousers on. It's, it's crazy. We're actually in uniform. Shall we just <laughs> get rid of our husbands and marry each <laughs> Maybe other? Maybe we should. Because mine is really <laughs> pissing me off at the moment. Do you know what? So, so <laughs> I really... Talk to me. What, what, what is, what's like, Dozer doing? It's just... Do you know what I think it is? It's like that whole like women are fr- men are from where are they from Mars Venus women are one's from, from Venus and one's, one's from, from Mars. Mars we're basically from different fucking planets <laughs> and trying to have a conversation with him about anything he sees it as in like black and white yeah. you know very much directing down the line and I am all kinds of emotion <laughs> I am a whole glass box of emotion that needs I need to be heard you do need to be heard I mean what like and so it's very hard isn't it because you want you do as just as men and women we just do come from different different parts of the world yeah and we do see things very differently yeah we're currently doing up our house and um the level of detail (laughs) i just cannot cope with in fact last night my husband was actually laying in bed with a tape measure and i got into and i literally thought no (laughs) this is new and i thought (laughs) i cannot take any more of it like the level of detail talking about skirting boards and i mean goodness knows what else and then now i'm coming in getting into bed and he's trying to talk to me about measurements did he measure his willy <laughs> no but that would have been more interesting well, more wouldn't fun. it that's more fun than fucking skirting board chat it is i mean please just get me involved when it gets interesting <laughs> not now so basically george and i uh there's a chance we'll be divorced by next week this could be a whole different podcast if there's any divorce lawyers out there please Do get in get touch, in touch. Um, and if our husband's listening only joking <laughs> yeah. um this week's a really great chat i'm so excited to have it obviously you and i um 
discuss a lot about our hormones yeah. and the fact that we've got kind of fairly major um, PMT after our second baby so we never had before so we yeah, thought why not exactly. get like a proper doctor a proper one not yeah, a fake one to answer all the questions yeah yeah, and all of the hormonal chat fertility chat we're going to talk gynae problems um, and we've got a really fantastic guest today and her name is Dr Brooke Vandermolen should we get on with it let's go So today is a real treat because um, sitting opposite us, not only is she probably one of the brightest women that we've met. I reckon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, aside from me. But. Yeah, aside from you, <laughs> Super knowledgeable, super mum, mum of two, her eldest is two, her youngest is only four months old. Oh. She's trained as a doctor. She is the ob-gyny mum on, we've just, we've just, we've just confirmed <laughs> that that is actually her name on Instagram. It's Dr. Brooke Vandermolen. Hello. Hello. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. I think, oh no, you're not first doctor I was going to say you're our first doctor second. in the studio but second <laughs> but first of this year so that's exciting you've had some amazing guests so I'm very <laughs> honoured to be here thanks for having me we're really excited about um, about this chat today because there are a lot of kind of conflicting um, questions and answers out there about certain aspects of um, hormones and fertility and we just really want to kind of like strip it back and have a bit of a 101 mm-hmm. um, so we asked um, you guys listening to send in your questions to ask Dr Brooke and can we just call you Brooke, or should we call you Brooke, Dr. Brooke? Please, Brooke is oh, fine. We it's want very, to call you doctor. It's very crazy anatomy, isn't it? Hello, Dr. Brooke. Um, so we're going to put a Q&A to you today. Fantastic. That's I love a Q&A. Oh, yes. Ask me anything. Okay. Well, I'm going to kick off with this one because this actually came up a lot. Um, postnatal hormones. Um, so getting your period back and just feeling anxious, thin hair, shit skin on my chin. <laughs> oh. Would love some tips on addressing this if possible. When you have a baby, it's totally normal. You will bleed for a few weeks. Eventually that will stop. There'll be a bit of a gap. And then you may or may not get your period again. And for some women that happens a kind of three, four weeks down the line, or you may not get any period for 18 months. So if you're breastfeeding, oh, wow. yeah, if you're breastfeeding, what happens is every time the baby latches on, it stimulates the release of a hormone called prolactin. And that basically prevents your body from ovulating. And if you don't ovulate, you don't see your period. Right. So for most women that are breastfeeding, they, they don't get their period for the first first six months if they're exclusively breastfeeding so when you say exclusively mm-hmm. breastfeeding yes. is that what how about expressing into a bottle and then that's the same right so to me that's kind of exclusively breastfeeding but technically no technically if you're giving your baby any bottles what what's basically happening at that time is your breasts aren't getting stimulated so if you 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 know you feed your baby every three hours but one of those feeds was a bottle it could be six hours that the baby doesn't get a feed during from that, the breast yes the exactly breast, yeah so during that time the hormone level the prolactin level will drop and that can be enough for you to actually start ovulating again right okay so if within that six months you do maybe give your baby some bottles or overnight your baby sleeps really well you're living the dream and you know maybe your baby sleeps for six hours at night if you aren't doing many breastfeeds during the night that also can mean that you're more likely to get your periods back a bit sooner and that's sometimes people think they can't get pregnant and then they do exactly (laughs) so I always say if you don't want to get pregnant and you're breastfeeding don't rely on the breastfeeding itself for contraception you need another method on top but the other problem also comes when people decide they do they are ready for another baby but they've still been breastfeeding and they want to get their periods back and I think that's what your question was about you know how do we actually get our periods back Back. while still breastfeeding Um, so 
the main thing is to think about the frequency of the feeds. Um, so how often are you feeding and how long are you feeding and when are you feeding? So if you're doing a lot of night feeds, then those are the ones that we know that affect your periods a bit more. So, really? That's interesting. Yeah. Is that to do with our hormonal levels at night? Yeah, exactly. And so what happens is if you then swap out one of those feeds for a bottle, for example, so you can still be expressed milk, but you give a bottle at that feed, you might find that if you do that for a couple of weeks, your periods may return. Also spacing out the feeds um, so that they're not too close together. So you need kind of more than four hour gaps to get your periods back usually. Um, so they're the kind of main tips, but some people find they do all those changes and still their periods don't start un- until they stop breastfeeding entirely. And it's it's so variable. Each woman is so different. Yeah. Uh, so, and it can be really disappointing. You know, you wanted to keep breastfeeding your baby for two years or until the next baby comes along, but you're being told, you know, in order to get pregnant, you need to stop breastfeeding. It's a really difficult decision. Uh, yeah, a lot of mum guilt and everything. When your periods do come back, it's, I guess it's all the hormones that come with it. Like I've found after Gigi, I never really used to get PMT. Mm-hmm. Like even after Axel, I didn't really get it. Now I really get oh it. Oh my God, I <laughs> am a crazy person. Yeah, why is that? Because <laughs> if you think about it, while you are pregnant, your hormone levels are completely different to when you're not pregnant. And actually it takes some time for everything to settle back down after the pregnancy. For most people you know, they might experience heavier periods for that when your periods do eventually return, your periods might be like completely different to before you had babies. Yeah. PMT is worse and all those kind of things. They should settle down over time as your body just basically gets used again to to the hormone levels as they were before. But it is really common that people find that. And is there anything we can take or do? Um, In terms of PMT itself, yes, there are, but things like the, the contraceptive pill, right. if you want Does to Does that help? That, yes, the oestrogen in it can help. Um, I'm going back on it. <laughs> I can't cope with it. And my husband's about to leave me because, I mean, we can laugh about it because I yeah. don't, I, hopefully he isn't. But um, <laughs> I never used to get this hormonal. I was absolutely fine, never got mm. any PMT, never had any sort of highs and lows. And since having my second, yeah. since Kit's come along, I mean, a, a couple of days before, I literally cannot stop crying. I feel sad all the time and then I'm up and I've got this rage which I never had before yeah I get the rage rage. and I'm not an angry person I'm quite like no like just sort of chit like relax and I suddenly I just feel angry yeah and and yeah yeah, I've I've never felt like that before (laughs) what is that so I actually recently did a post on PMT but we can kind of think of how we can manage that in a more stepwise fashion so there are basic measures that can help with PMT like exercise anything that's going to reduce your stress it's kind of the obvious thing but when you're mum and you're busy it's really hard to just say oh well let's reduce the amount of stress that we have but keeping eating well making sure you're kind of having regular meals and exercising will help with that um if you're still struggling with mood type symptoms things like um cbt can help as well yeah um even even though it's just for a for a certain period of the month then you can kind of develop techniques that can help you to cope with those kind of things those Mm. kind of feelings um and yeah then there's medications that you can try like for example the the combined pill some people ask a question you know how about something like a marina where we basically stop your periods but people can find that you still get pmt because on this kind of cyclical effect you need the estrogen component to help with the pmt symptoms yeah and we're going to come on to um Mm. hormones a little bit later on and i'm going to discuss what's going on hormonally with me at the moment and Mm. the estrogen levels but i'm definitely feeling that monumental dip and mm. then the emotions so we'll, we'll talk about that mm. a little bit later on but if you have just had a baby can we talk about the two or three weeks after that and that kind of baby blues that people talk about definitely so baby blues is a kind of a term that we use to refer to that that 
when the hormone levels drop just after you've had a baby, um, estrogen levels plummet, your progesterone levels plummet, as, and you're exhausted as well, and you've had days of sleep deprivation, around days three to day five, the same kind of time that your milk comes in, you've got you know the feelings of engorgement, and you're basically feeling your lowest, and you can feel really, really tearful. Um, the slightest thing can set you off, and it's, it's a really weird feeling because you can be really happy and joyful looking at your new baby, but at the same time, cry at the littlest thing. Yeah. Oh, it's so, it, it's ringing so true, isn't it? Can you remember? It wasn't that long ago for you, really. No. Do you know what? I was going to ask you about this. So with Axel, I, I had mm. it. Day three, I did cry. The midwife came around. I was teary. With Gigi, I didn't get mm. it. But I did that placenta encapsulation. And I don't know, is there actually any link? Is it just a complete coincidence? But... I didn't get it. Are you just a little bit harder to use <laughs> on? Yeah, maybe I'm just a bit harder. I don't know. So, yeah, I think people look to placenta encapsulation. So that's when you, you take your placenta, you kind of send it off to a lab. They make it into tablets for you that you can take. And one of the things that they say it can do is to boost mood, prevent things like postnatal depression. I would say the evidence is very mixed. There's not really been any convincing studies yeah. that it does prevent uh, postnatal depression and my worry is um, it's it's not a very re- well regulated field there are some fantastic companies that do placenta encapsulation but there's also some that aren't and you can't guarantee that you know your placenta comes out you you put it in a fridge for a bit then you send it off how well is it refrigerated on the way to the factory and then you know what happens to it along the way I know you're making a face sorry I kind of feel I'm trying same. not to <laughs> I know <laughs> Georgia did it and, and, and for whatever reason she had some really good um, uh, results from it so yeah. actually great and whatever yeah. The lady actually came to pick mine up. I mean, okay. it's a weird thing, yeah. isn't it? I've just, hello, ding dong, yes, can I help you? You know, I've just come here to take your placenta yeah, I know, away. I know. It's it interesting. Is. I think, yeah, it, it, it's something that a lot of women, you, you want something that's going to help you to help yeah. your mood so you don't feel that low. Um, but I would say, from a medical perspective, I'm not convinced by the evidence at this point. Okay. Yeah. And I think there are risks associated with it because, you know, you send it off to the lab and there is a possibility of kind of contamination and infection. So personally, I don't recommend it. I think if you are worried about your, your mood, you're feeling very low, the first thing is to talk to the people around you. Um, and if you are, you know, if you if you feel that you can't leave the house, you're, you're feeling low mood, that you can't, nobody can help to bring you out of that, tearful all the time. And it's been a few weeks, it's more than just the baby blues then we do start worrying about things like postnatal depression speak to your midwife see your gp call the samaritans line there's loads of places that you can turn to for help but please turn to someone for help don't rely on kind of the the capsule yeah yeah fine should we get (laughs) another question yeah yeah so why do i have postpartum joint pain every joint in my body hurts and i'm four months postpartum Excellent question. So in pregnancy, part of the thing, part of what your hormones need to do to help your you get ready to deliver your baby is open up your pelvis. And one of the things that happens is the kind of the, the joints, the ligaments that are holding your joints tightly relax. And that's a good thing because it opens up the space in your pelvis. So hopefully baby can come through vaginally. But all of your joints become a bit lax. And that's why we worry, you know, when, when women are pregnant and they go, you know, to, into exercise, for example, there's certain things that you might need to avoid because you don't want to cause damage because your joints are a bit more lax than they normally are. And unfortunately, it doesn't spring back after your baby's born. Your joints don't suddenly all tighten up. So you might still find, you know, turning over in bed or getting out of the car that your pelvis hurts or your knees hurt. Um, you kind of feel almost like a, you know, an 80-year-old woman when actually yeah. you just had a baby. But 
it is normal. That stuff does improve with time. However, um, I would see a physiotherapist if you're having joint pain or, or see your GP who can refer you if you need to because there are certain exercises you can do to help to strengthen that and also to help you get back to exercise without causing any further damage whilst whilst strengthening. And up. also, just chipping in mm. here, you have... You're only four months yeah. after going through what is like a car crash yeah. on your body. And actually, I think as uh, you know, we're sort of sort of programmed to think, oh, I'm just going to snap back and I'm going to feel exactly the same. It's like you've been through a trauma. Actually, yeah. birth, birth and labor can be mm-hmm. pretty horrendous. So, yeah, I guess give yourself a break and, you know, see, get as much rest as you can. I know it's hard when you've got a new baby, but totally agree. It helps all the healing just to mm-hmm. f- for you taking care of yourself, nourishing yourself, getting sleep whenever you can sleep when the baby sleeps. I've never managed that. No. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and not putting pressure on yourself yeah. and, and things like exercise is just an additional pressure. Yeah. Yeah, and even just going for a walk, yeah. like you can get the same sort of benefits, can't you? Like, get out the, the house. Feeling. Yeah, get yeah, out. Get exactly. out. Yeah. Right, Georgia. Um, I had a miscarriage late December and aside from a week of light spotting, my period hasn't returned. I had an ultrasound and there was no evidence of retained products and will be seeing my GP again this week. Is it likely to be a hormone imbalance? It's frustrating as we would like to start trying again. I'm feeling very out of touch with my body at the moment and I hate that feeling. Mm. Well, I'm very sorry for... For her loss whoever sent in that question I think uh, it's it's a common question I get that when you have a miscarriage you know how soon can you start um, trying for a baby again so the general advice is of, is you will bleed after having the miscarriage and that can go on for a little while um, as as she mentioned if not ev- everything from the pregnancy has come out yet you continue to bleed for a bit longer so once the bleeding stops it's good to um, take a pregnancy test a couple of weeks later which should be negative um, or having an ultrasound which says there's no product inside there's nothing left from the pregnancy and at that point it is safe to start trying for a pregnancy again you don't need to wait um but we tend to advise you to wait till after your period because it makes it a bit easier to date the pregnancy so we yep. know exactly which point you got pregnant but if you get pregnant before then don't worry but also you've got to give yourself a t- chance emotionally and on one hand you feel like go straight back in the sooner I get pregnant the better I will feel one yeah. step closer to baby again yeah exactly yeah. but actually remember that as soon as you then become pregnant you're going to have to go through those early days and worrying about about losing the baby again and you do kind of need to have to be emotionally strong to take that mm. so you you might need longer than your body needs before you're ready to try for a pregnancy again after a miscarriage or loss. So, so just kind of listen, listen to your body and listen to your partner, and and just making sure that you you do it at the, whatever the right time is for you. Okay. Here is a fertility question. Mm-hmm. My AMH is zero point two, and I'm forty. If I did IVF, I'd be unsuccessful. Um, am I better off trying naturally? Okay, so AMH is a hormone marker that we use. I know we, we said we were going to talk a little bit about yep. kind of menopause and how we have a finite supply of eggs. So as women, we're born maybe with about 2 million eggs at birth. By the time we get to um, puberty, that's already dropped to a few hundred thousand. And then we lose eggs every month when we're ovulating. How many eggs do we lose every month on so average? you'll lose one egg, but a number of them may start developing. Yes. at the start so although you ovulate usually one or two if you end up having twins but most of the time you'll only ovulate one egg per month but lots start developing and then one dominates and becomes the one that you lose so that's basically why you have a, you have you don't make more eggs during your life so there is a point at which there, there isn't any more and that's when the menopause um, hits amh is a hormone level that we check that's a, that's a marker of how many how many eggs you have left the anti-mullerone hormone exactly however it's not a fantastic test um and 
there are companies out there that will kind of just um, randomly test your AMH and be able to tell you your fertility level. But actually, it doesn't really correlate in practice. What we would say is if you're thinking about having a baby, go for it. Try naturally. Give yourself, um, give yourself ideally a year. However, if you're over the age of about 37, then maybe speak to your doctor a little bit sooner, so around six months. But give yourself a chance to conceive naturally because even women with low AMH levels can still conceive naturally because you still have some eggs. You are looking yeah. at one exactly. right now. So yeah. just to put just to put my own personal touch on this, I was told as well to the person that sent the question in that my AMH was so low that mm. I would, um, wouldn't respond very well to egg freezing. We went through the process. I was injecting every day and at the end of it, um, we we could only get one egg and they decided mm. not to go in. So she, she was like, people with low AMHs generally don't respond that well. This was the information that I mm. got to trying to harvest eggs and also IVF. She said, go away, see what happens naturally. And I got pregnant naturally. But she didn't. She told me at that point that that wasn't going to happen for me. So we were in a bit of a quandary. It was like people with low AMH, do they not respond very well to IVF? So yeah, we we don't uh, like your it's GP. It, it completely is. Your GP wouldn't usually arrange that test for you because it shouldn't be part of the first question that someone you know first test someone does when they say I want to think about having a baby. Don't do it unless you've been struggling with right. fertility yep. already yeah. because it's just not a great test. Yes, by the point at which you are getting referred for IVF, that's the point at which we do the test and it can tell us how likely you are to respond well to IVF. But you only want to do that with somebody that can counsel you properly about the test and what the results actually mean and then giving you a plan because otherwise you get faced with this horrible number and you get yeah. told basically you're never going to have children yeah. which isn't necessarily true. And I guess it's just more pressure, isn't yeah. it? And everybody always says, relax and and it will happen which is easier said than done but I guess that's just another thing for somebody to have in their head and some doubt but awful for this this woman here who's basically been told she's not going to respond very well to IVF but also her her AMH is so low so it's not likely she's going to conceive naturally at that point I I was faced with that at that point you just want to dissolve Mm -hmm. let me tell you to whoever sent us that message in (laughs) it can happen I would just go away and start shagging yes (laughs) Exactly. I mean, best advice. Best advice. Here you go. Just call me Dr. Hartman. <laughs> this just is another one about fertility and it's come up a couple of times. So both high and low BMI and how does it affect your mm-hmm. fertility? So either if it's really high or really low and how how does that impact us? Essentially, your BMI is a rubbish marker. We hate <laughs> it uh, to tell you if someone is healthy or not, yeah. but it is kind of the best thing that we have Um, and we say if you are very underweight um, that will have an effect on your fertility that's because um, people that are very underweight it means that you you don't have the high levels of hormones required to ovulate Uh, and so if you're not ovulating you may not conceive so that's below a BMI of about 18 so uh, women that are you know extreme athletes for example often find that they might lose their periods and that's if their BMI drops below a certain point Um, and also extreme exercise also does have, have a role and then yeah very very high BMI will have um, have an effect as well again usually prevents you from ovulating also women that have a high BMI may have PCOS it's a term that's kind of thrown around a lot but they do uh, polycystic ovary syndrome exactly Um, but they do often go hand in hand in that somebody that has uh, PCOS may find it hard to lose weight Um, and if you have that condition you also may be um, ovulating less frequently so yes it does have an effect both ways if you have a high BMI and you've been trying to conceive for a while and you go and see your doctor the first thing they'll often tell you is go away and lose 
way and it seems quite mean and like you know yeah. you should treat us all equally but the reason being bringing your BMI down to within the right range will increase the likelihood that any treatments we give are actually more likely to work and the right. same with being right. underweight okay. so yeah. it is them kind of trying to help you but it doesn't come across like that often yeah, that's interesting, mm. isn't it? Um, before we get into another question, I kind of wanted to, sorry, just jump backwards slightly because we got onto the subject um, of uh, the fact that we're born with a finite mm. number of eggs, but this is actually quite interesting. Why are certain people born with more eggs at birth <laughs> than others? Yeah, I mean, everyone will have a different number um, when they're born, definitely. Right, so okay. I, I, I don't really have any mm. many eggs left. So is Georgia going to have been born with more eggs than me? Or have I lost more than Georgia along the way? It could be both of those things. But that's so weird. Yeah. But our bodies are so weird and so variable. Yeah. And that's why what works for one person doesn't work for somebody else. But why are we not taught this stuff at school? <laughs> yeah, because why do we is, not know about this? This is yeah. such a frustration. Obviously, early menopause runs mm. in my family. 41, 40, my sister at 32, never got to have her children. I'm mm. 37 and I'm showing signs that I'm perimenopausal now. But it's only since my mum started talking to us about this about five years ago that we started to do some research and investigate it I at school I was taught as I'm sure you were here's a banana put a condom <laughs> on it and do not get pregnant oh and there's a few STDs that you can get not yeah. like there's a chance that when you hit 30 you might not be able to have any children because you might have run out of eggs it's a frustration of mine it's, it's I'm thank god I have my kids yeah. but some people are not lucky enough I t- it's it's something that I really wish I could shout from the rooftops more is that the bit the single biggest factor that affects your fertility um is age and so you know the older we get whether or not you're going to go through early menopause or not you know every year that that goes on you're losing eggs and that does decrease your rate of fertility yeah and so as you know as someone that works in gynecology we do often see women coming to us you know uh, in their late 30s and forever whatever happened in their life they didn't meet their partner early whatever that's totally fine but you have to understand that your age will have will have an impact that will result in lower fertility and more likely needing extra fertility treatments so yeah i think if we were all told at school look this is the facts do what you want try not to get pregnant too early if that's not what you want but remember when you are ready try not to put it off too long would there be an opportunity for us to on the nhs to get our eggs frozen in our 20s so not currently and that's because so yeah eggs that are frozen in our 20s are better quality eggs than eggs frozen in our 30s so yes the the idea of doing that a bit earlier will they will make better eggs, which means that if you do end up going through IVF, it's more likely to be successful. Right, okay. okay. However, yeah, on the NHS, no, because it's a costly procedure and you're not that likely to, to, to need it because even still, you know, if you get to your late 30s and you do try to conceive, you know, many will, women will get pregnant spontaneously. So you don't need to use up those eggs. So it will kind of be a, not a great use of resources okay, to freeze everybody's eggs. What about a test that we can have done at, say, 21 that shows where we are in terms of how many eggs we've got? Is that something? That would that... be that AMH test that so... we've just spoken about. But again, as, as we've said, it's not a brilliant test. So is that the only thing? Mm. And But even just, I think the conversation um, is important. So I I never thought about it, if I'm honest, like about fertility or how old I was going to be when I had a baby. I just sort of assumed that I would get pregnant and that would be fine. And, you know, I did meet my husband quite young and I had, I had my first, I got pregnant when I was 26, mm. which is pretty young. So everything ran smoothly. But a lot of my friends are, you know, the same age as me, 30, haven't met anyone yet, are heavily into their careers. But... 
Well, because, yeah, but because we've had the conversations, you know, they are quite aware about their fertility. But I think a lot of people are really naive to it and they don't think about it because no one chats about it. No one talks about it. it. Yeah. Uh, it's it's almost taboo that you shouldn't tell somebody, you know, you know the age that age will have an impact on your fertility because you don't want to upset them. And as women, we want to have it all. We want yeah, to have that great career. Exactly. We want to maybe get to that high point in our career because also in your mind, it, it gives you some leverage. If you're further along in your career, by the time you say, I need to you know, have some maternity leave, hopefully they'll give you a better package or whatever. But the problem is by that point, it, you may, it may have already had its impact. Oh, so I, th- I find I, it so challenging being mm, a woman. Yeah. It's like that advert that's just come out at the moment, be a lady, yeah. be successful, have a career, uh, be a great mum. Yeah. It's like, we can't fucking do it all. <laughs> and also, what ah. about when you meet somebody, say you're like in your 30s and you meet someone, how do you have that conversation? Like, I'm in my 30s, I think I like you, should we just have a baby now? Because I don't know if you're... Ha- I mean, where, how do you even... Well, I can tell you how that happens. Yeah. I did it with my, with my now husband. <laughs> Yeah. We'd been dating for six months. My sister at this point was going through the early menopause and it was devastating mm-hmm. her life because she was married and she now no longer is as a result of it. And I had to speak to my then sexy boyfriend. He's still <laughs> sexy now, but, um, you know, we'd just started dating basically six months in and there I was crying on the steps of the fertility clinic saying to him, "There's, we're never going to be able to have a baby together. Mm-hmm. And he was, you know, thank God he handled it so well. I knew when I met him that he was the person I wanted to spend the rest of my life with. But, it was really uncomfortable and yeah. it's not something that I wanted to, to go through, but we had to move quickly. Yeah. And, and thank God it's worked out. And I think that's what we need to offer women is let's have the conversation. Let's yeah. say, let's make sure everyone knows, you know, yeah. age has an effect. Fine. Okay. We've said it. It's there. And then just supporting each other because you never know what your yeah. life is going to throw at you along the way. And you kind of need to be able to get the support that you need at each point so that when you do meet that partner and you're ready you can go for it. I'm going to start lobbying Parliament. <laughs> My new thing is to change the education system in school when it comes to fertility. I've said yeah, it. Yeah, no, I think it's You're so, help so me, important. I'm I on board. Help you. Yeah, can I say that? And is there anything that we can do to improve our fertility? Like, I remember, I mean, I was, I had, I was 25, I was married, and I had, um, like, a really heavy period, and I'd thought I was pregnant. And until this point, I never discussed with my husband having babies. We'd never chatted about it. We sort of knew it would happen but we wasn't at that point yet and then we were both really upset when I wasn't pregnant because I had this really heavy period then I started reading loads of stuff about fertility like eating too much salmon can affect your fertility and all of this stuff and there's so salmon yeah I did say that is that true um not that I'm aware of I think we do need to be so careful because anyone can tell you anything if they say oh yeah if you eat this then you you know you can get pregnant and it's so easy to the big ones smoking yes smoking and exercise and bmi um they're they're the big things that are definitely going to impact your your fertility understanding your cycle so that that's the main thing i would say if you haven't already it's one of my my top products that i was going to say is is track your periods make sure you understand your body and you know if if there's something that you're going to need to work on earlier for example yours are really irregular or they're extremely heavy which may be the sign you know of of having some sort of underlying gynecological condition you want to identify that earlier so that we can can help they're yeah. the best things i think that you can do making sure you're taking folic acid as Fol- well if oh, you yeah. are folic acid, acid, yeah. trying for a baby those are really key things um in terms of fertility boosting and there's so many products that claim these things these days but just make sure you kind of get your um evidence from a reliable source yeah because okay. some people have like written in about some myths like having your phone in your pocket 
<laughs> affecting your fertility. And actually, this recently, I was talking um, to one of my husband's friends, and he was saying he doesn't put the heated seats on in his car anymore. That's well, not he, necessarily he, a myth. Yeah, yeah. That's not a myth. Oh, well, yeah. this is good. Yeah, I mean, what what's true and what is Don't sit on a radiator. <laughs> <laughs> the, the male testicles are, and, and sperm inside are sensitive to heat, which is why the testicles sit outside the body um, rather than inside. So, yes, heat is important, but... A, a man that hasn't got any other f- underlying issues can go about his normal life wearing normal underwear and they should expect to have kind of normal levels of sperm. If you're getting into the realms that they're already very low, then certain things like this may affect it. But don't go out and kind of ban your husbands from using the, the seat warmers <laughs> once in a while. It's very unlikely to have any kind of significant effect. Okay, um, cool. So we'll be back right after this. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. JD Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A malibu.com, code GLOW. Now, where were we? Someone's messaged in about their husband having a vasectomy Mm -hmm. and saying that one of the testicles is now a lot tighter and higher. And could that be as a result of the vasectomy or is that just changing testicles? Uh, I'm not. So I'm not a urologist. So I'm not a specialist in that area. What I would say is... I, I. I don't, I'm not aware that that is a normal kind of side effect of having the right. procedure. So I'd probably just tell them to pop along, see their GP, because it's quite important to be familiar, well, for the man to be familiar with their testicles, or you can be familiar with your own, just because we should, in the same way we're checking our boobs, they need to be checking their testicles as right, well. Right, right. Um, and so if they are changing in size, any lumps, bumps, things that are unusual, rather than just assuming it's because of the vasectomy, I would um, pop along, get your GP to check it out, and then they can always get an ultrasound if there's anything that they want to kind of look at further. Nice, I like that. Cool. Um, just one last thing about contraception. Mm-hmm. There's lots of people writing in about um, going on the pill after having a baby. They don't want to go on like a hormone, mm-hmm. um, anything that's going to affect their hormones. And then someone else saying, I have the implant. However, the weight gain, um, bleeding, is this normal? Should I go on the coil? What What are our options? 
So after you've had a baby, the options are kind of still the same as before you had a baby. Um, I would say it's a really good idea to choose a longer acting form of contraception. As we all know, life when you have a baby is hectic. So trying to remember to take a pill every day and things like that is is quite difficult in itself. So choosing a longer acting form of contraception um, is a good idea. So that's kind of like the coils and the implant, the injection. They're the main categories of that. If you would rather avoid um, hormones, then the best option is probably something like the copper coil because yeah. that doesn't have um, yeah. hormones in it. So it won't um, affect your periods. It won't usually have those kind of effects like weight gain or skin changes, those sorts of things. It's hormone free. But many women do experience heavier periods right, okay. um, than they would with the other um, the other forms yeah. of contraception. Um, but yes, the the, the same options are there and I think it's it's best to just discuss with the doctor your own needs so what your lifestyle is like when you're next planning to have another baby yeah. how your delivery went if you had a really traumatic birth for example the idea of somebody putting a coil in actually can bring back bad memories so you may want to avoid that so it's best just to discuss your with your doctor your own needs when you're going to next have a baby um, you, how long you're planning to be on contraception for maybe how your birth went and you can choose the right contraception for you and also I think yeah. slightly it's a bit of of trial and error because mm-hmm. there have been certain contraceptives that have worked for me uh, the pill was really great I then decided to have the implant because I was forgetting mm. to take the pill I bled for eight months mm. I just just spotted the whole yeah. time so I think yeah. a little bit trial and error error with these things and as, as you said Brooke talk to your doctor about your best your best options um, so a message from a lovely lady saying how do I get through with hyperemesis I did it last time and I don't think I can do it all again now just explain to us what that means so Obviously, as most of us know, when you get pregnant in that first trimester, it's quite normal to feel nauseous, maybe even vomit. But that vomiting can become extreme to the point that you're not able to keep food or fluids down. And that's what we call hyperemesis. It's what Kate Middleton had. Um, there was quite a lot of press yeah. around it at the time where you kind of reach the point when you actually need to go into hospital to get IV hydration, for example, because you're just you're so sick all the time and it literally takes over your life. You you are un- unable to go to work, unable to look after your, your your children it's a really debilitating condition and it's kind of something that your yeah, doctors will say you know oh it'll it'll get better it'll get better you know it, it passes but when you're going through it it can be so have such profound effect it's really difficult well yeah i mean how does that how does that happen i mean mm. I, if i if that had happened to me with Gigi, i'm not sure how life would have run yeah really. well exactly and then i think when it comes to planning your next pregnancy the memories of that can yeah. be enough yeah. to put off um having more children and there are many women that may have gone through high premises that might be thinking you know I always plan to have four children but actually the idea of even going through it one more time is really scary so I think is it a hormone imbalance it's not it's just being very very sensitive to the hormones of pregnancy ah okay 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 yeah so Uh, if you have it if you've had it in your first pregnancy is it very likely you're going to have it again yeah not everyone gets it again you might experience it in very different ways i had no nausea and vomiting with my first pregnancy really at all second time i was vomiting three times a day which i would say is probably not to the point of being hyperemesis i didn't have to have medication hospitals but it was even debilitating to that extent and so and that was a completely different experience from my first pregnancy so yeah you can definitely have a, a, a different experience and so yeah there's hope that if you had hyperemesis before you may not get it next time yeah. but I think prepare yourself for the fact that it will and that what that means is put in place certain things if there's people around you that you can have support um, so telling family early that you're pregnant um, having having them around you know if you've got parents that can come and stay with you maybe for a bit telling your work early um, if you know that there were certain medications 
medications that worked for you in a previous pregnancy, maybe asking the GP for them in advance um, so that you'd be able to start those before it gets to the point that you, you can't go about your daily life. This is interesting. I have two boys and I would love a girl. Is there anything that you recommend to increase my chances? I'm really sorry. I hate to be the bearer of bad news. There is nothing out there that has been proven to show um, that you can kind of determine the, the sex of your baby. Um, yeah, apart from our Chinese chart. Yeah, yeah. apart from that. Oh yeah. No, that that's not foolproof. No, it really isn't. Uh, yeah, none of the positions, positions legs in the air from yeah, behind. Sorry, no. even like type people say like which day you have sex on is going to affect. I'm afraid. Yeah, there's no evidence that it works. Some people will be like, we might as well try. But yeah, I wouldn't go for having another baby just because you only want to have a girl in the hope that one of these techniques would work for you. You you can't be sure it they won't. will. Yeah. <laughs> so a question that I wanted to ask, I'm obviously going through some sort of tricky hormonal period mm. at the moment where we're not really sure what's going on I've had a couple of blood tests but my period cycle's doing really strange mm. things so um, I had a very regular 28 day cycle mm. even before and after the babies and then the last six months it went 28 days 21 days 14 days mm. and then I didn't have a period for 48 days and now it's on a 14 day cycle 15 day cycle mm. oh god that's that's really difficult for you oh yeah I mean, 14 my, days my husband <laughs> yeah. hates me at the moment I'm sure <laughs> Um, I guess it's it's very individual. So it's having such irregular cycles is definitely, you know, I know you've already seen your doctor, mm. but if anyone's listening to this nodding along, then that is a point you should see your doctor just to check in and see what's going on. But you, we, we kind of discussed before about um, menopause. And one of the things that can happen as your body starts to run out of eggs is that it can make your periods quite erratic so that you're, they come close together, they space out a bit, they can become much, much heavier than they were before. Many, many women find the last few years that they have periods are actually way worse than in their kind of 20s when you would think that's when you've, you experience the bulk of your periods. But yeah, you can have them more frequently and more heavy at that at that point in life so you know if if that is something that's running in your family that's that's possibly a reason it's making me sad oh, i'm sorry i hope it doesn't last too long for you it's making me really sad people say things to me like oh well don't worry about it because you've had your kids mm. i'm not gonna get emotional because oh. it isn't like it is a big deal but it's like yeah, it doesn't yeah. all those comments like oh you've got your children it's like no that's great but also this is potentially mm-hmm. saying goodbye to a period of my life that I didn't think I would deal with until I was in my 50s you know you always hear about women in their 50s going through this and now suddenly you know hot flushes and this is kind of the first time I've spoken about it but I think it's important because it is happening earlier for a lot of people um so yeah having to like deal with that there doesn't seem there's not huge amounts of support out there it's one of these things like having periods something we, we hate but we love yeah because I mean at the moment for me I think I've probably said it to you and I'm sorry like I've, I've said it to you I've, I'm like oh my period's a waste of time I know I don't want any kids anymore oh this is annoying but when you when mm. you talk about how it's actually making you feel it's it's no quite scary yeah it is scary yeah, it is scary because you're worried about the symptoms. Yeah. You're worried about what's going to happen to you. You know, you you hear all, all these scary mm. stuff like joint ache, pain and night sweats and, you know, dryness and all this. It's it's a horrible reality. <laughs> and, and also you, you have been used to your body being a certain yeah. way. And that it's the estrogen that we have that makes us feel feminine and, and like women and seeing our periods makes us feel like like women and it's nice if you can control it and you can say okay well I don't want periods so I'm going to have a Mirena coil for a while but when mm. you do want to have the periods it's it's really upsetting if you yeah. don't have them um, 
I think one thing to just pick up on from what you said is not not all women experience all of those symptoms. Um, mm. Some experience some women experience no symptoms when it right. comes to um, the menopause, and yeah, but then there is of course extremes, and it's just it's just the next phase of things that are, we as women are awful that we have to deal with. What do you think about HRT? So the first thing I would say with with menopause, there are loads of different things that that, that can help. You don't automatically have to turn to HRT. I think. Natural. If your menopause does start earlier, women naturally often end up on HRT because you are dealing with symptoms maybe for longer, and they they may be more extreme for some women if it's because it, you're kind of got also a bit of a genetic predisposition yeah. to it if it's if it runs in your family. So uh, my opinion on HRT is it's fantastic in that it really can help change your life when you can't leave the house or you're struggling to sleep and how do you go to work if you haven't had any sleep because you're up with night sweats and things like that and being able to resolve those symptoms actually gives women you know makes you feel empowered makes you feel ownership of your body again of course there is risks I think there was a lot of scaremongering a few years ago when it came to HRT Uh, breast cancer breast cancer exactly and it turns out we think that maybe those risks have been overstated in the past but of course it is a worry it's something that you need to talk through with your doctor to understand fully the risks that there are but I wouldn't rule anything out because if you have that option to have a treatment that can really help and there are other benefits benefits of HRT as well as the symptoms that we we think it can also help to reduce for example your cardiovascular risk your chance of having things like heart attacks and strokes that it can help your bones be a bit more dense and and those sorts of things so there is benefits to it it's not to say every woman should be on it and it's not to say that no woman should be on it I think uh yeah in your in in the context of your own medical history it's definitely something that you should have as an option available and during sort of the the perimenopausal years which we're all going to go through at some point Mm. is being on because I'm obviously still very young 37 Mm. is being being on uh, like a combi pill, a good idea just to feed, because I have got no, it's mm. come back that I've got no estrogen mm. basically, which is making me feel a bit shit. So being on the combined pill is estrogen and progesterone. Yeah. And HRT is estrogen and progesterone. So it's, so it's they, they, they're different versions of the same thing. So right. I wouldn't necessarily say you need a combined contraceptive pill over HRT. Right. It's just, yeah, you, you, you it's, it's HRT is a version of that. Okay. It's just different types of estrogen inside it and different types of progesterone in different doses so yeah i'm gonna do some more investigating (laughs) i was fascinated by that just finally because i think you'd be able to tell us uh, (laughs) i think that we'll get a good response to this what do you do to get out of cabin fever syndrome with having a young baby yes (laughs) getting out the house definitely i try and i try and prep the night before so i can leave the house by having the bag packed the buggies ready because you know if the babies are asleep it's slightly easier to organize things and yeah you do end up spending so much time in your house on your sofa especially if you're breastfeeding and you're stuck under one baby and there's another baby running around you uh but yeah get getting activities I I tried once my husband went back to work I found it even harder to leave the house because obviously that there's not that extra pair of hands um so meeting up with friends other friends with babies and we just help each other that's one thing that I found that was quite helpful so if we were going to go to a soft play at least if a group of us went we could just watch whichever children child was near us yeah just watch that child at that time yeah so just getting getting out and about with your mates is always (laughs) key and drinking lots of red wine definitely because obviously that's proven to be really really good for you as well (laughs) it's good for everything (laughs) all all of your questions will be answered with red wine Um, Brooke thank you so much for coming on I'm sad that we've only had a small (laughs) chat like I want to keep going but maybe come back I would love to come back and we want to know your products because you came prepared with them didn't you so 
Take us through what your top products are. Okay, so um, kind of related to what I said earlier, one of my top products is um, an app, let's say, um, for cycle tracking. I think that's a really important thing every woman should have on her phone um, if you're experiencing regular periods, especially if you're thinking about trying for a baby at any point, maybe in the next few years or you're trying now. Download an app on your phone. Keep an eye on your period. So try and put in as many symptoms as you can. Have you got a favourite app that you like? I use Clue. Um, right. that's one I use but yeah there's loads out there um, but yeah where you can put in your kind of your symptoms so you can put in your what, what discharge you're having when your period starts how long it goes on for how heavy it is gives you an idea of um, also PMS symptoms which we discussed as yeah. well if you um, go to your doctor and you want to talk about PMS the first thing they'll ask for is kind of your cycle diary because that's part of it's in the actual nice guide the NHS guidelines about um, managing PMS you need to see what their cycle was like for two months so at least if you've got like the last six months worth and you can say my moods you know I I was feeling more depressed on this started this day and it happened every month that's really helpful information if you're on if you have got hormonal contraception some of that stuff some some of the other stuff may be less accurate so putting in your 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 discharge and thing it's not so relevant if you're on hormonal treatment but if you're not on any then yeah that that would be really useful do you think our partners are ever going to really understand what happens to us hormonally (sighs) no uh i think we 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 as women kind of need to just start speaking about it more and i think like we're doing with this podcast just we we should men should get involved they should understand um at what time in the month you know we might expect things and it's not it's not that things we're blaming things on that that it's just part of how we have to manage our daily life uh, but they should understand definitely mm, we need to yeah. talk about it a little bit more i think mm. we do and what else is on your list okay. uh so another product that i have been absolutely loving um having had as we mentioned at the start as my second baby recently um is the lv pump oh uh, yeah. yeah we talk about this yeah i didn't have it with my first no. with my daughter but uh, yeah, that has changed the game for me because I don't have the time to sit down and pump express milk. But, you know, coming and doing things like this, it's it's really useful for me having having some breast milk in the fridge or the freezer. So I've loved that pump because I just, I can do all the housework while still pumping or I, I, I can cook a meal or whatever. Yeah. And I don't have to kind of sit stuck you know on the sofa pumping yeah. in addition to all those other things on the to-do list amazing yeah. so yeah that's a definite one real. um my third is the yo-yo buggy yeah uh, i don't know if you guys have that one <laughs> I uh, do. absolutely love it it's such a game changer for kind of getting in and out of the car or anywhere with with um a young child so i love that pram for my daughter we take it away with us we take it pretty much everywhere and it's really light and easy um my fourth one is uh, the Shiseido Synchro Concealer. Oh, this is a new yeah. one for us. Is this Because yeah. oh, no one can say it properly. Is it Shiseido? That one. I say Shiseido. Yeah. You can yeah. tell I'm not a blue beauty no, no, blogger. I don't, <laughs> no, no, no. I don't know. I never get it right. I end up going like Shiseido. Yeah. <laughs> That's not right. Is that one the Japanese brand? Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. My friend Sarah Jossel, she like does the beauty on this morning oh, and yes. she told me about yeah. this and it is brilliant. I really like it. Basically, anything that's going to cover up these bags at the moment. Yes. Uh, is helpful so I really like that that concealer real and last and your last one a parenting hack I guess I could say a product that I've been loving recently is the magnetiles Uh, when I'm you know when I'm breastfeeding I I want to give my daughter some toys to play with when I can't attend to her but I don't always want to put the TV on and actually I I don't know if your kids have them the magnetiles they're like you can get them in big boxes and they 
clip together really nicely and easily and it just seems to entertain her for hours magnetizer uh, yeah. where do we get them from you, get, you can get them on Amazon Braille. and there's there's a lots of different brands of basically magnetic tiles and they all you can get huge sets and they all clip together oh and amazing this uh, whenever she has yeah, friends around good. they all seem to love it yeah okay magnetile oh, I like yeah. that and the best piece of advice you've been given or something you'd wish you'd known before you became a parent uh, I think my best advice, both as kind of a doctor and as a mum, is to say trust your instincts. I think you know your body, um, and if you don't know your body, you need to pay attention to your body and learn the things that you you know are normal. You know, examining your breasts, knowing your periods, all those kind of things, and also with your children as well. You know your children best, so just trusting your instincts um, and let let them guide you. If you think something's not right, then go and see see a doctor or speak to somebody and just check. You know, do you think this is normal? Yeah, I mean, so many amazing questions in there. Thank you, Brooke. Thank you. Yeah, I'm fascinated. I feel like I'm going to take away so much from that chat and I hope everyone else will because yeah. I'm just like, my mind is blown by so much of what you've said. You're amazing. Oh, thank you. Well, I think the reason I, you know, I like to talk on social media, blogs and everything is I just think there's so many taboos out there about women's health, about fertility and periods and we just need to talk about this stuff more and with kind of the right kind of information and just being supportive to each other. So thank you so much for having me on here to get a chance to talk about thank these things. You. I feel like we brought magic here today no, to be continued. No. Thank you, Brooke. Thanks. Thanks. Oh, she was great. She was. She really knows her stuff, doesn't she? How fantastic to have it all in one place as well. I know. And I think there's so many questions there that I reckon a lot of people have been wanting to ask, yeah. but not felt comfortable going to the GP or maybe just not had time to go to the GP about. Yeah. We um, always put ourselves last, we don't do. we? Especially yeah. when it comes to hormones, because people go, oh, you're probably just a bit teary. Oh, you know. It'll pass. Take some peppermint or whatever people say. Peppermint. <laughs> 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 well, whatever. I mean, it could be anything. It's like, yeah. just get on with it. I know. Well, you, but you've been having acupuncture recently. We didn't talk about this in the chat just then, because um, there was so much else to discuss. But yeah, I um, have been having acupuncture for my hormones to try and find a new balance. Yeah. Lots of people don't necessarily believe in it. I am But a, Dr. Brooke said that she did. She really, yeah. really rates it as well. And I think at this point, when you're feeling so emotional and so hormonal, it just... Yeah, it's a little bit of extra help. It's it, And also, it's an hour for you where you just literally get to lie there and yeah. have a bit of you time. I have had acupuncture since I was about nine years old. I've only ever had it when I had a bit of a back problem. Like, my mm. back was hurting and I had some for pain. But I'd never thought about it before. And yeah. now I am, you know, coming around it. to the idea. Yeah. Well, I've spoken about this before as well, that when I was struggling to get pregnant naturally, I went to see another acupuncturist, Kevin, and I swear to God, he was one of the reasons why I got pregnant. It's incredible. It just works it? on my ovaries in that area. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you're thinking about doing it, give it a whirl. I yeah, I mean, what have you got to lose? Well, exactly. Might as well try, mightn't you? Exactly. Um, well, that was lovely. But it was. Um, we're not going to do products this week because we feel like Dr. Britt was really informative. Yeah, we don't know better than her. We do not. <laughs> we do not. No. Um, but we will be back um, same time next week for more chats. Um, if you want to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast, that would be really great because if you do subscribe to it, you kind of get your alerts for every week as well so you know when it's coming. Yeah, and also leaving us a review really helps get the podcast out there, which yeah. is really what we want yeah. um, also please drop us a message at Made by Mummers or on Zoe's own channel at Zoe Hardman and as I said we'll be back next week can't wait to see who we're talking to then we'll see you then cool fact 
a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.